Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. With a fresh new song MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ after my sister Marsha Joyce Who I miss and caused me to do this fun we have the author of The Memory Bell here, Kat Flannery, and I am getting more popular by the minute. I just got two more offers for two more interviews. Oh, my God. What can I say? But this book is really special. Grace Penner's Safe Haven Crumbles When a Body is Found Outside the Town. The gifted memory bell, a family heirloom from her grandfather's will. When that broke, I cried. It was so sad because... People need to value what belongs to other people. So, Kat, hi, good morning. How are you? And welcome to MJ Network and this wild world. <laughs> hey, Fran, how's it going? Thanks for having me. And I'm so glad we made it. So the focus of this book is family unity and how it became disjointed. What is the significance of the memory bell in this context? Well, the memory bell basically signifies the family. So when I was uh, plotting this book, I knew like I had this bell that I wanted to utilize as the symbol for the family. And when the bell breaks, the family begins to break. And it's kind of just a, it's not like a magical thing or anything like that, but it's just that symbol of, and I utilized the bell throughout the story um, as the pieces were missing, you know, um, as she was finding things out about her family, like, you know, we all have skeletons in our families. And mm-hmm. that when the bell eventually gets put back together, it's not perfect. And no one family's perfect. Well, they think they are, but they're really not, to be honest. <laughs> yes, true. Right. You yeah. never know. No. <laughs> no, I really liked her because she reminds herself, reminds her of me because I, I stand by what's right. I get in trouble a lot for that. So Grace is the main character, and her father, grandfather left her the memory bell as an inheritance. What does it matter to her? And as a young person, I understand that. Why would she be heartbroken when it's broken and her family really didn't care? Well, because she wanted the bell for two reasons. Um, it was the only thing that she had left of her grandfather that she was really close to, Um and the bell, again, symbolized her family to her. Like, that's, she, again, didn't necessarily think or believe that it was magical, but it was just something that gave her that, you know, warm and, re, you know, fuzzy reassurance, everything's going to be okay feeling, and the family's all together. And that's, that's why she wanted that bell so badly. But when it broke and she was so devastated, um, yeah. because it wasn't just the treasured bell, right? Like, it was... It was forcing her then at that point to acknowledge how it broke. That's so and sad. And how it broke was because they were fighting over it. So. 
I know, and that's just it. And they were looking at it, but not really. So tell us now, about the Penna family. Dave is her father, but he's arrogant, flippant, self-centered, creating a family image that he constructed in his mind. What about the others? I know there are people that do that. They want, they actually believe in their mind that they're better than everybody else, and then there's the rest of us that are human and realize that that's not true. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I mean, every one of my characters in all of my books, you know, they I really, really try to embody um, that third-dimensional so that mm-hmm. you can relate to them, so that you know people like that. Like, you're just like, oh, yeah, I oh, know yeah. a guy like that. Or, I know a girl like that. So the Penner family is a very uh, diabolical family. They, um, they're they your, you know, wealthy farmers, grew up with money, prestige, but in a small town, right? I mean, you pop them in Chicago and they'd be nobodies, right? But in a small town, they're, you know, like they're like royalty, and uh, they utilize that to their advantage. And, you know, some people, when they have a little bit of power and control, they allow that to uh, drive everything that happens in their life, and they become yeah. really evil because of it. And that's basically Dave Penner. Um He's one of those people, right? He just loves the power and the control, and he loves being able to control his family. Um, he has four brothers. Uh, he has tw- there's twins, Rick and Randy. And I mean, Rick is a little bit more subdued. Randy's very similar to Dave. Uh, again, being raised in that in the same time from their their dad Charles. And then there's Jules, and he's quite a bit younger than them. Um, He's actually closer to Grace's age. So he doesn't have a lot of that, uh, the same upbringing as they do. Um, He's Mm. a little bit more softer, easygoing, right, forgiving. Um, So Grace is very connected to him. I like Grace. This is something (laughs) very nice about. Besides the fact that I cried, because my little niece is two and a half and she's Grace. Aw. That's a great name. I love that name. And we've... And I've indoctrinated her into reading. So I told her, Bubby, every night you have to read with her so that she learns to read at 3 so she can do my work for me and help me out. <laughs> She's a, yeah, she said to me, I'd help you. So who is Andy? He's very disjointed and needs help, but why does Grace care? She's the only one that does care. Well, again, Grace is that, you know, Grace is Grace is every person who who grew up uh, believing that there was nothing ever wrong with people. Like, everybody was good and kind. And whether it was the fact that she kept the blinders on all her life, or whether it was just that she was simply naive, and we've all been naive, um, she is is simply that person. She's like that, you know, everybody knows that person. You know, each of us are that person. And when, when the light finally gets turned on, you are devastated from it because you didn't see it. You didn't either want to see it or you just honestly just did not see see it. And Andy to Grace, is, that's her younger brother. And so because she is just such a giving and kind person, Andy, who is just full of hell of a lot of problems, um, mm-hmm. uh, she feels sorry for him. She sees the way their dad treats him because he's definitely treated differently. Um, and she wants to basically mother him in a sense. Uh, and he leans on her for that, but in a bad way. Yeah, I know. I know people like that. 
I know yeah. people that use people just for their own purposes. Yep, that's right. And you you got you got to open your. I, I know because I had friends when I was younger, just yesterday, and they were they were really pretty girls, and I wasn't very pretty, and they used to call me about boyfriends and how to deal with them, and I go like, how would I know? And they used to lean on people that whatever. So what happens when a murder is discovered? That changes things. It sure does. Yeah, it really does. Well, it introduces, again, Grace into the whole new world of outside of her small little town. I mean, even though the Mm -hmm. murder took place in a small town some 30 years previous, it takes her out of her comfort zone, and she doesn't like that. Like, she doesn't know what to do with that. And introduces her to Detective Bennett James, right, who's from Chicago. Um, He's actually on probation, so he's been kind of stuck in this little town while he waits for his hearing. But um, it definitely turns the heat up on the Penner family. It turns the heat up on the small little quaint town as well. Yeah. Well, I like Grace. You have to bring her back, and I like Ben, too. I have to say it. So who is Carl, and what happened to his wife, and why did anybody try and find his daughter? So Carl really needs an attitude adjustment. Yeah, there's a lot of people in this book that are disjointed. Um, And again, greed is a part of it. Uh, So Carl is, uh, they call him Crazy Carl. He's Mm -hmm. he's, uh, the town drunk, basically. There's reasons for him turning to alcohol. But Grace grew up. Now, Carl is her grandfather's age. So Grace, all she knew from Carl was that he was the town drunk. He would ride his bike up and down the streets, and that's, all she ever knew of him, she didn't ever know his backstory. But it turns out that the body that was found out at the mill was Carl's daughter, Claire. And she had gone missing 30 years previous to that, and nobody would help him find her. And a lot mm. of that stemmed from the reputation that Carl even had back then, which was a drunk and belligerent and Nobody really wanted to just give him the time of day. And it also stemmed from the type of reputation his daughter Claire had back then, which was just like a, you know, a free bird, right? She'd go off and not come home for a couple of days and mm. stuff like that. So the sheriff didn't necessarily take him seriously, nor did he really want to look into anything or do his job. And again, there are those people out there, whether you wear a badge or not, that don't want to do their job. So he was just one of those. And... Uh, and that's basically who Carl is. He is an old man who has been dealt a really crappy hand, and because of it, he is choosing to live the wrong way. Um, and so he's full of a lot of anger. Yeah. That, that is said. You know, my mom retained me. Um, my sister got away with more than I did, my brother too. But if I had to go out and I was had to come home, uh, she would say, "You have, you know, you have a phone. You call me. If you're going to be one minute late. You better tell me, or you're going to be grounded forever." No, seriously. Yep. She yep. had to know where I was every ten seconds. Where was I going? Well, went yep. to school. He was school. Violin lessons, and the dreaded dancing lessons that I hated. That's <laughs> when I said, "I said, what did I do wrong? Forget it." So here's where it gets interesting. Ben James, he's a detective on probation, decides to investigate the 30-year-old kill case murder who is now found, you know, murdered. Why did he want to do that? And how do we know that he's a really cool guy? He's honest. There's not yeah, too many of those out here today, that's for sure. 
No, there isn't. The, the, you know, the, re- the main reason he decided to take the investigation was, well, first of all, he's a detective, right? He's been doing the job in Chicago for yeah. you know, a handful of years, and it's kind of like what he he loves it, right? He he likes piecing the puzzle together. But the main reason was he was bored. I mean, he he went from a high-profile detective in in you know big city Chicago to this little tiny town. There's nothing to do. Like he's given tickets for speeding and stuff. So he was. You know, that, that was the main reason why he took it. But the other driving force behind why he took that was because he was afraid that it would be the last the last murder he'd ever maybe be able to solve or work on because he didn't know if he would be stripped of all his duties. He didn't know if he would be put on desk duty for the rest of his life. He had no idea. And so that was one of the reasons why he took it as well. Um, and, yeah, he's a super good person. He's very direct. Um, you know, we all know a person like that that doesn't really necessarily have a filter, um, and they say things mm-hmm. that, you know, come out that wouldn't, you know, hurt your feelings, but that's not what it's intended. And, and Ben's a really straight-shooting type of person. He's uh, He has also had, a, you know, a not-so-great past, uh, which is the driving force, again, for the problems that he faces and why he, he's, a, you know, potentially, you know, why he's on probation and could potentially lose his job. Um, and in the memory bell, you know, you know, every character has their own backstory and every character's actions are driven from their past. And I really like to highlight that in all of my books because, you know, we all choose our own past. We can't choose yep. the things that happen to us, but we can choose how we, we react to them and how we choose to go forward from them. And in the memory bell, you see the way that, you know, I chose to write that. People yeah. can see the difference. You know, some people don't want to choose the honest and the good way, and some people want to sit and they want to fester and they want to be angry and they want to lash out at people, and and that is a that is reality and and that is sad. But you know, I really wanted to shine a light on how everybody deals with things differently, and mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes when you deal with it the wrong way, the repercussions from that you know, afterward in your life aren't so great. No, I understand. Trust me. Believe it or not, I unfortunately, you know, you have to think about when somebody does something to you, and I can't say what it is on the air, and they do something that's detrimental to hurt you, you know, you don't want to go the wrong way and say mean things, so you have to handle it in a diplomatic way, and sometimes that doesn't work, but you learn to live with it. So, Paul, I understand. He's angry. And he's angry about his wife, Olga, because she wasn't the nicest person in the world either. This poor guy, I felt so bad for him. I wanted to just, like, say, it's going to be okay. There are people out there that care about you, but he doesn't believe that, this poor man. No, he doesn't. And, I mean, as the story unravels, I don't want to give too much away, but as the story unravels, the reader begins to understand why Carl is the way he is and why and and why he just wants to basically drink himself to death. He just that doesn't is care. So sad. Yeah, he just doesn't that is, care. That is anymore. so sad. Mm-hmm. That is sad. You know, alcohol is is a, is a, is a death trap at times too. You drink Absolutely. too much and you might wind up yeah, people don't realize that. No. The bell has great significance for Grace. Now, this I can identify with, and I really got upset. 
Why does her aunt tell her that she did not deserve it? She did deserve it because her grandfather felt that she was worthy of it and would protect it. So why does her aunt dare to tell her she's not good enough? I want to smack her in the head. <laughs> Seriously. I know, hey. Because I've, I I've am, been told that, like, you know, you're, you're, you're overweight and you're never going to be able to do anything. Yeah, but I'm smarter than all of you, so I don't care. That, that was right. my answer to somebody. Exactly. So, again, you know, Aunt Janice was a real bee. Oh, she's horrible. Yeah, she was not. But, okay, we all know an Aunt Janice, don't we? We all. Yeah, we do. Exactly. There's not one person that I've ever talked to in my 44 years of life that has ever said, you know, all my aunts or all my uncles are amazing. There's always that one person that just is mean. And and you never really know why or you never Uh really understood. But, you know, okay, Janice is just plain jealous. Jealousy runs rampant in families, right? I don't care Mm -hmm. what kind of family you are. There's always a tinge of jealousy, right? And it runs rampant in families. She wanted her daughter to get it. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) She wanted her daughter to get it. She felt her daughter deserved it, even though, you know, as we get to know her her daughter, Allie, well, she's, she's just like her mother. So you, her grandfather knew that. That's why Grace got the bell. In, you know, to begin with, but you know, Janice's Janice's driving force was basically that she was jealous, and Grace shouldn't have had it. Everything should have went to her kids, and that was the end of it. And uh, and for Grace, when she realizes, you know, again, she has seen this all her life from her aunt, yet she never really. She just always would brush it off. You know, she just, there are those people that are that, you know, naive. I mean, like, we've all been there. Yes, yeah, she, she is. Don't she is very. She's very naive. And, you know, you got to remember, she's 23 years old. So she just doesn't want to believe in that your whole, your family's horrible or your family has horrible people in it, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, who wants to face that? Nobody wants to face that. So when she realized you know, when Janice came out and finally told her that she didn't deserve the bell, that was a that was a, a rude awakening for Grace because she started to then look at things a little differently, you know, inside of her family. Oh, I just, I, I agree. These people are driving me crazy with interviews. I, I have one scheduled for next Tuesday at 10, and she wants me to make it later, and I can't because I have to do something at 12, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to change the date. Oh, well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, just tell me five minutes before. I can't because I have to do something else that day or cancel another person that's going to yell at me. Oh, well, too bad. <laughs> so we have Ben, and he wants to protect her. Um, why does he want to protect Grace? There's like a, a thing about them together. And then there's Jules. Why is she the only one? Why is he the only one that she she, she trusts? There's got to be somebody. Well, that's right. There's always somebody, right? There's always somebody. I mean, Ben. Yeah. Ben and Grace they meet because he comes into the diner. She's a waitress there. Like they, there's an attraction, but it's a different type of attraction for them. It's more of just they're both looking for somebody that they can trust. Okay. As things start to unravel for Grace, she's looking for somebody that she can trust, and. You gotta remember, for her, like she Ben's an outsider. He's from the big city, so it, that's also intriguing to her. She's interested, right? That's why she pushes to follow him and, you know, go to Carl's and things like that, right? At first, he, you know, she's a little bit annoying to Ben, until he realizes that she just, you know, edifies everything that's innocent. 
that he's not familiar with because he didn't he didn't have that in his life either. So he has this strong need to protect that from protect her because he doesn't mm. want to see her shattered from the real world. And and that's why he you know he doesn't want to see that. Um, Jules is is close to Grace because you know they're very close in age. So it's almost like he's her big brother. <laughs> and so they have always had a very easy relationship. Um, they have a lot of similarities. Uh, they, you know, they like to see the good in everybody, so they connect that way. Um, she never really could open up to her dad like she could open up to Jewel. Mm. And so I think that's part of the reason they have the connection that they do. But I do feel also that mainly it is also because of his age. So, you know, you think back, family functions, he was there, he was there but, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't hanging with the adults because he was so much younger than them. He was hanging with his nieces and nephews because they were closer in his age. Now this this is my see my dad was like this my mother was like this not my mother not my not my father tell us about her father why he's so hard on Andy expects everyone to do as he says with no questions that was my mother she wasn't mean she never yelled she never raised her voice she just gave you the Ruthie and that was yep. the end of it yeah so why, he, uh, why why he pick on Andy I mean he's a good kid that's scary right. Absolutely, but what does an egotistical narcissist do? They always pick on the weak, and Andy's weak, and and that's just the truth of it. Um, Andy's battling like a lot of issues, and again, throughout the book, you find out again why he chose the path he chose, and it's devastating the things that he had to go through. Um, but the reason that Dave picks on him is because he's weak. And that is like a drug to narcissists. That is a drug to, you know, Dave. Mm-hmm. He just he gets he gets off on that. And he the other reason that he he is so hard on Andy is to instill the fear, and not just a healthy fear, right? Like you know, we all had healthy yeah. fear of our parents, right? This is not a healthy fear. This is like legitimate fear that. You know, he wanted to instill in Andy uh, for reasons of his own, only to benefit himself. Um, And, you know, the readers will find that out, you know, later on in the book as to why he wanted to instill that fear. I wanted Andy to stand up to him and smack him in the head. Oh, he does in a way. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I, I just finished a book yesterday that I have to interview the author, but I won't tell you what the name of it was. And the, the main character is is a police officer, and I'm saying you need to get guts. You need to stand up to these people because you became the head person, and you didn't want to do it, but you need to buck up. I, I just yep. wanted to tell, like, you know, enough already, oh, because I have yep. a big mouth and I don't tolerate anything anymore. Ever. Right. And, you can't. And, I mean, you can't. Exactly. Stand up for yourself. I mean, the the thing is, is, again, you know, everybody knows that person. I mean, the reason that Andy, Andy yeah. didn't is because he was broken, um, so broken. And uh, he, you know, when I say that Dave played on him because he was, it wasn't that he was, you know, when I was writing him, I wasn't writing him weak. I was writing him broken. But when Dave, I was writing Dave, and I would see Dave would see him, he was weak to him. And that is, you know, I wanted Andy to come full circle. 
and there needed to be steps to get there for that. And it's just mm. like Grace. I would, you know, I'd be like, okay, she's not ready to stand. She's not ready to stand, you know. But she, you, you know, she, she got there, and she did, in her own way. She did. I like Grace. She's, you know, but realizes finally, you got to stop being who you are. So the case That's starts right. to add up. Some information about Carl's wife and Grace's granny, uh, Charlie, grandfather Charlie. So what was their relationship? That was so cool. And then Jules went to prison. How come? Oh, I, you know, I felt so bad. Poor thing. I know. Well, um, so Charlie, so Grace, uh, Carl's wife, and they all went to high school together. And so they mm-hmm. knew each other. They were all friends, including um, Charlie's wife, Anna. So they were all friends. But Olga had always had an infatuation with Charlie. I mean, he's wealthy. He's a farmer. Mm-hmm. He's good-looking, right? Um, and so that was part of the problem. And then Jules, he, he went to prison because he he kind of, you know, when he was younger, you know, he he kind of took a bad turn and, you know, he got a little bit into the drug scene and stuff like that. And um, he beat up the sheriff and put him into the hospital. So he went to jail Mm. when he was 17. Oh, God. So the family unravels. This was really cool. Ben gets documents that he finds out a whole bunch of good stuff about the members of more than one family. What happens when the lies and betrayals come through? And does he reveal what he knows? Oh, my God, that was so cool. Um, not, well, all, first of all, like all hell breaks loose. Like things start to really, really, really start to cascade at that point. And, no, he yeah. doesn't reveal everything because he he is concerned for grace because what he knows and what he found mm-hmm. out will, you know, it will, it will, it will, devastate her and so at that point he really cares for her so he is very concerned for her but yet he knows that these things need to come out um so yeah he does not really say anything right away um but you no. know unbeknownst to him things are happening anyway that he can't control and so as he's kind of keeping this close to you know his chest and he becomes unhinged and um Things start to, yeah, things start to, uh, on a downward spiral, uh, and he can't, he, he can't stop it, and it just goes. It's, it's, so, it's so sad, because in real life, I imagine if a police officer gets all this information, I wonder how many of them would do what he did and not tell. They probably wouldn't care. With what's Some going of them on might not use, care. But I believe there's no, good in every person, right? And I, think I hope that, so. You know, I think that he he didn't necessarily hold on to what he knew for too long. He only held on to it for a couple of days. But things were already at a breaking point with the Penner family. So uh, with Andy and Jules and Dave mm-hmm. and the brothers, like things were already getting there. I mean, it's like any family, right? It just doesn't pop. Like, the, you know, the lid just doesn't pop off and there's an explosion. It builds. And it builds, and it builds. And whether it's one person that's just finally had enough that opens that can, or it's a few people that have had enough that open that can, that start that dialogue, mm. it happens. And that's that's what happened with the Penner family. So he didn't necessarily hold on to his, that information for too long. It was just a couple of days. He was trying to figure out how to tell Grace and how to, you know, he really needed some evidence, you know, he needed more proof. Um 
but unbeknownst to him, Andy was blowing the lid off the whole thing. So, <laughs> so how does you know, he handle knowing this stuff? I mean, you know, everybody finds out stuff about their families. Boy, did I find out stuff too. And um, my mother, my mother before she died, said to me, "You're really not the age you think you are. You're younger." And I go, "Ma, if I prove that, please." And she said, yep. she gave me, you know, she had the documents of when I die, you're going to see them. So I found something. I found my birth certificate. It's really weird because it was black and it was typed, but my birth, date of birth was, was, was scribbled in. I said, well, maybe she's got a point there, so I lie a lot about it because I don't care. Yep. <laughs> I, you Whatever, know, did you right? Ever walk into a, you ever walk into a medical office and you say, what's your date of birth? And I go, I don't know. You know, you figure it no, out. No, I've I not. get annoyed. And then when yeah. you tell them what it is, they talk to you as if you're a moron. So I just make one up. Say, well, that's yep. not the one we have. I go, well, pick a different one. I don't care. So yep. the family has confrontations. What happens when they decide to confront each other and then Andy disappears? How does he wind up in the hospital? I like Andy. I know. Andy was great. Um, well, when they confront each other, it's like just, it's explosive, right? Because mm-hmm. at that point, and that, that, those scenes, you know, there's a few of them, but those scenes were very fun, right? Because I was able to really showcase each character's mm-hmm. um, A motive and B, you know, who they were. And um, so when it, yeah, like they, it explodes and things come out and it gets physical. And, you know, Andy is, addicted to drugs and so he he ends up in the hospital um from taking taking too much of something i I could see this book i'm writing notes as i as i listen and i know there are very few people that really care about him but i could see where this book would really be great well as an educator this is just the educated part of me that mm-hmm. it would be really great for, for guidance counselors and group discussions and families to talk about the different things in the way family dynamics. This should be, I, I said, gee, I wish you would have put, and the book is great, um, like a discussion at the end, you know, reading group discussion or something for schools yep. because this is perfect. This is perfect for them. That's just my point of view. And I want well, to know. Well, and I mean, like, like I said, you know, I – when I'm writing, and it doesn't matter what what plot I choose to write, I always try to um, have some sort of message. And like yeah, you, you know, do. the memory bell, you know, no different. And so the memory bell um, is very special to me because I really feel this particular book every individual can relate to in some way. You're right and because when my when my sister died, the person that she was married to. Hmm, it said in her will to give me two pieces of jewelry so that I could remember her. And mm-hmm. he wouldn't let me pick. He was He's horrible. He also didn't yeah. call 911 when she had the heart attack. So we don't really know if it was his fault that she died, unfortunately. He was supposed to give me two pieces of jewelry. He gave me two that turned my hand green and my neck green. Yeah. So I wound up getting nothing. And then I was supposed to get you know, something that she wore. And what he gave me, I gave to my niece because it's her, you know, the daughter. And he just, such a horrible person. So it's hard. So yep. Bell is at the heart of this memory. And Grace receives, this is what got me, two pieces of broken that were broken. What does she do to them? And does she really need the third one? And will they all fit together? 
they don't fit together. But neither do families. They don't. Right? Neither do families. And so so the bell, you know, whether it ends up having that missing piece or whether she ends up getting it or not, the bell again is is together, right? And and it, and it doesn't matter like, you know, every family has chips and every family has holes and every family has um yeah. bumps and you know those things that they don't want to talk about, but you know, at the end of the day, if there's love, if there's love there, then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what your bell looks like basically your family, as long as you all love each other. And that, that is what the bell signifies. I interviewed Robert DeBoney on Monday, and that was like an honor. And we mm. talked about family and family love, and we would, he read, wrote a book called The World, well, the World Play Chess. And he said that the one thing that he always said to his, to his children is, you know, I love you, you're wonderful, everybody matters. And he said, growing older... Is not a right, it's a privilege. And okay. I told him, I said, you know something? I always, my, my nieces are in their 20s, and my nephews too, and they text me almost every week and they say, I love you, I miss you. I go, I wish you were here, so we go shopping and do something. I, I miss mm-hmm. them. But my, yeah. my dad taught me something also, which is important. I think that kids need to learn. Grace needs to learn. The only person, if you look in the mirror, the only person that's going to be with you for the rest of your life is a person whose face is there. So you've got to be independent. And be able to handle life on your own. And I learned yeah, that when my, when my sister died and my dad died, suddenly I realized you have to be your own person and you have to speak up for yourself because no one else is going to do it. And nope. that's such an important lesson that your book teaches too. So the stormy revelations at the end as we learn the truth in family, the truth behind why Jules went to jail and why Carl was linked to the family. How did you create so many multiple plots? Well, there was a lot of sleepless nights, <laughs> so first of all, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I talk a lot, and I'm Italian, That's so okay. I yammer on, but um, I, when I come up with the plot, you know, I always need to throw, and again, this family is so, you know, it's so third-dimensional, there's so many things going on in this family, but the main thing for me is that everything needed to make sense, so as I'd come up with, you know, with this or that, or, or I, you know, an, a, a plot twist, did it make sense? And and there were a lot, believe me, that just didn't make sense, mm-hmm. or that I couldn't, I couldn't explain as I wrote. They might have made sense at the point, mm-hmm. at that moment in the book, but it wouldn't make sense later on. Um, yeah. And so it was a lot of uh, a lot of writing. I had a wall full of sticky notes, just trying to figure out where things were going to go and how things at the end were all going to come full circle, whether they were good or whether they were bad. There's an ending to everything, right? There's and, 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 you know, like some endings, some relationships in this book end, like end, they're done. And um, that's an ending to me, right? Like that, whether or not that person is still alive or not, I'm just going based on a relationship. So everything to me had to come full circle. Um, I didn't want to leave any cliffhangers because it was such an important book and it was there was so much... There were so many things people could take away from it that I didn't. I wanted them to have closure, right? I wanted Grace to have closure. I wanted Jules to have closure. I wanted Carl to have closure, and so in doing that, I that was my main that was my main driving force was to give these people closure that I came to love and uh, care about, and and so the plot twist came from that. 
Before I forget, I'll get yelled at. Monday, um, the Lee Matthew Goldberg, the Grenade Bouquets. Now, on Tuesday, I have Vincent Zandri and Frank Scofield. We're going to talk about who knows what. On Wednesday, I just received a message I have to change Marsha Mueller because I didn't know that she was in Pacific time, and I can't do it later. On the 25th, this is very powerful. Dr. Maxine Thompson is a black author, and she lived with a white family for a year when she was a teenager. And she's going to talk about lineage. I love Maxine. And on the 26th, the author of Redemptions. Hopefully, we won't have technical difficulties. And on the 28th, give me your worst, give me your best, but if I don't get the book, I can't do either. What can I say? And on November 2nd, we're going to have a panel show with five authors. This should be fun. I review books, and I've been doing this forever, and I want to know what other people think when they review a book. Do they review it? Do they toss it? What are, what are their criteria? I want to know what other people think because I never write a negative review, and I will post your five stars later. I haven't been giving five stars. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of books that I've been reading that I just post a review on my site and don't post it on Amazon. Because if it's not three and a half, four stars, I'm not posting it. Right. I won't do something yeah. mean. I haven't yeah. gotten to that point where, you know, and I've been dealt a pretty crappy hand lately. And I'm saying, you know what, I don't want to do that to other people. My last book is called Population Zero, The World Without People. It's a world I, nine worlds I created, and I invited a dead person to come back and experience the horrors. It's to make people appreciate the world that we're in right now. And you should see some of the nasty things that people wrote. And I was on a tour Leave with it. Partners in Crime. And the last couple of reviews, I go like, whatever. You've got you to gotta have a thick skin. What can I say? Yep. So we have Ben... Grace Carl and even Dave, her father, have past relationships that did not last. So how did that affect them? And is Grace coming back, I hope? <laughs> she might be. I've had a lot of interest in bringing Grace in back, actually. <laughs> I have. But again, like, you know, okay, so it's just like what I said earlier, what we were talking about and agreed upon. Everybody is dealt, you know, certain things in their lives, and everybody chooses a path. Everybody yeah. chooses to, you know, to offer forgiveness and to be, you know, still a good person and kind. And some people don't. Some people no. really want to delve into the hatred and the anger, and they allow that to be their their push forward into being the person that they are. And then eventually, when you're like that for so long, it it is it shapes and molds you, and you become a person you don't even recognize. And I think that in this book, each one of these you know, characters had that choice given to them at some point. There was something that happened to them where they had to choose which way they wanted to go, whether they wanted to, you know, still smile and still offer hugs and still be kind, or whether they they didn't and they wanted to put their cold shoulder up and they wanted to, you know, to do that. And, and again, that we all know people like that. We've all been That's there. Right. I mean, you know, I've, dealt, I've been dealt, you know, shitty hands, and I've, you know, Yes, I've been angry, I've been very angry, but it's not who I want to be, you know, and, and so I got to go away mm-hmm. to a little place for a bit to calm myself down and to, you know, come back to reality. I'm not that person. I don't want to be that person. Grace didn't want to be that person. Ben didn't want to be that person. Jules didn't want to be that person, but Dave did, and Dave loved the power that it gave him, and that, you know, that's why he, he continued to feel his 
his narcissistic attitude. But not everybody is like that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everybody's a grace and everybody, you know, likes to get walked on. And every, We're not all like that. We do stand up for ourselves. But at the end of the day, you know, you can stand up for yourself, but you can still be a good person. And you can still care about humanity. And, and no matter what you've been dealt in your life. Look, I've met a lot of people throughout my career. And some people have had some really crappy hands dealt to them. Like things that I sit and look at them and, you know, wonder how they get back up how they can keep going, and they are the kindest people I've ever met. You know, they, you know, when they have every right, according to society, to be angry and to lash out, they are the complete opposite. And that, to me, is why I wrote this book, because it doesn't matter Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you're dealt with. It doesn't matter, you know, there's all, you know, my mama always used to say, there's somebody always has a batter or worse. Somebody's always got it worse than you. That's right. And it's true. That's right. It's true. You know, and I think that it's just when you're sitting there and you are at your lowest and whether you are religious or not, you have that choice. You have that choice to be good or not to be good. You have that choice to, you know, still love people. And that's, you know, that's why I, I wrote this book. Well, I, I got that, and I'm pretty sure I put that in my review. But I have to be honest, um, you know, there's a beginning to this, the, the end of the song, uh, the, uh, the finally the RMJ Network. It's by um, Michael and, and Rachel from TrinityHouseEntertainment.net, Inc., and Rachel and Michael sing spiritual songs. They were on my show two weeks ago. And the song that I love that they wrote the first time, when you feel down, the song is called You're Going to Make It. And I listen to that ever so often because it's, it's so uplifting and so beautiful. And then the other one is He's Always With You. It's about God and don't give up and give your light. And even though they're in a different religion than I am, it doesn't matter because it makes you feel like you can handle the world. And you just sit and That's listen right. to the music and then go like, you know what? It's going to be okay. Nothing, nothing exactly. bad is going to happen, and that's just the way it is. So, exactly. The ending yeah. is creative, and the family asks to hear the bell. How does that, does that change their perspective? Because that was really, really perfect at the end. Um, they... Yes, in a way it does, you know, um, but, but, the, but the point of it was for Grace, right? It was her story, yeah. and it was her coming full circle and her understanding why she got the bell yeah. and her understanding of it just, again, like going back, it just doesn't matter what everybody, you know, as long as there's love, right? Like as long as there's love and you're there for each other, you know, no one family's perfect, no one. And she came to realize that and accept that. But whether it was family or whether it was friends, it was the ones that were left mm-hmm. standing with her at the end. Then there were some, well, and there were some that were chipped and there were some that were still slightly broken. That's just right. like the belt. What bothers me is that when I listen to some family members, other families, others, and they don't talking to somebody that got mad, and I try to explain to them when that person dies and you don't have the time to say goodbye or understand 
you know, what or straighten things out, you're going to be sorry. And oh, yeah. that happened to someone in my family. My cousin and I were close, and when she died, I was so sad. Her sister never got a chance to straighten things out with her. And she yeah, should have because it was, a, guilt, right? it was a it was a dumb argument. It was stupid. Yeah. So yeah. if any the the last I'm not going to read it. The last sentence of the book says it all. I could picture that in my mind. Mm-hmm. The very last yeah. sentence on page 240 says it all. So the truth come out, and the final scene is heartwarming. Are you bringing these characters back again? I'm not sure. Um, I mm-hmm. really fell in love with Jules. He, I really like him. Um, I'm not sure. You know, you know Ben as well. Like I really did like him. Uh, I like him. And I've had a lot of. But interest I love Grace. Grace back. Yeah, a lot of interest in bringing Grace back, and um, you know, some maybe some of her sleuthing skills. But I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, I know that uh, the book was very. Uh, I really loved writing this book. Um, I love writing all my books, but this one, again, like I said before, is just very special to me um, because, again, I feel like it's just got a piece of every single person in it. <clears throat> I think it's got a piece of the whole world in it. And yeah. you know what's really sad is that I get these stupid emails from Newzella News, and everything is so negative, and I just delete them. Oh, so-and-so died, or this is bad, and that one, don't trust this person, don't trust the CDC. If you want people to get vaccinated, then don't say that the CDC doesn't know what they're talking about and don't downplay the vaccine. I mean, mm-hmm. I have family members on both sides that some did, some did, and that's their business. I think that they were foolish, but whatever. That's their mm-hmm. way. Yep. And unfortunately, my niece was here a few weeks ago, and I said, I'm sorry you can't come because you've been around too many people and you're not vaccinated. So... What do you yeah. do if Ben were to come back? Where would you see him next? And would you see him with Gracie? Well, there was an age difference between the two of them, right? So, um, yeah. but I don't know if I'd necessarily see them together. I mean, they needed each other at the at that at that point in their life, right? Um, their relationship, their romantic relationship, was not the driving force of the book. So. They they leaned on each other because they did need each other. I mean, he needed somebody to show him the right way as well, right? Um, because he was pretty much on the edge of, you know, going one way or the other with, with mm-hmm. his life. And Grace Grace's example was what pulled him. And so I, I, I don't know if they'll be to, they would be together in 10 years or whatever, or however long they would mm-hmm. make it. Um, and that's okay. And, like, you know, God puts people in your lives for a reason, whether you yeah. choose, you know, whether they are there for a month or whether they are there for a few years or your lifetime, they're there for a reason. And I think that in this particular, you know, with these two particular characters, they were in each other's lives for a reason, and they needed each other at that point. Whether or not it continues, I'm not sure. I, I agree. You know, the sad part is is that people at so many times look at the negative and the misery, and they don't appreciate the good. So when you decide on applying, I have a few minutes to add some questions here. When you Mm -hmm. decide on what to write, your main theme of your plot, how do you decide what to write? Do you have um, a a, a a series with one character, or do you change the character every single time? Um, 
so I I do have like one I have a trilo- a couple trilogies and n- no I change the characters every time. Uh, they're characters that are introduced though when I'm writing a series like they're introduced in previous books so you are familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular book um, how I how I get my ideas they kind of start to come to me in bits and pieces and they take a long time to mold in my brain if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, creative way that I work. Mm-hmm. Once I do have the idea, though, then I write it. And I can, I write it within one, like just a short time. I will, I'll write it. Um, but it takes that long time to process. And that I like to know everything that's going to happen before I write my book. So, like, the majority of things, you know, yes, there are surprises as you write, but mm-hmm. I like to know the plot and the subplots, basically. Sometimes I don't always necessarily know the way I'm going to end a book, but as I as I write, it, it comes to me. But I need to know the basis before I can put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. So the longest process for me is is coming up with it, and and usually things start to come to me, and I start to ideas, and it all just starts to you know filter through my brain, and you know, and then once I have it, I just sit down and write it. I wish I could do that. I write from the point of view of the dead person behind the gravestone. My face is behind the stone series, and I get criticized a lot. But it's different, and it's it people different. that are people that are get wrongly accused and something bad happened, and I let them tell their story. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Population Zero is the world of ice, a world of no sun, a world of cold, a world of desert. It's just horrible places that you don't want to live. And yeah. at the end, they have a world of artificial intelligence. And people either understood what I was trying to say or they didn't understand what I'm trying to say. I got criticized because the book was 76 pages. I read them short. And well, the company that I did it with. Okay. Yeah, I did it with an independent publisher. And I'm sorry mm-hmm. that I did because they did nothing to promote it. Partners mm-hmm. in Crime did the best they could. But basically, they did nothing to promote the book whatsoever. And it cost a fortune. I didn't realize it. And I would never yeah. do that again. But the only good part is that they've got returnability. But I did get an interview on Dr. Maxine Thompson's show. I actually stayed up till nine o'clock to do it, and it was worth it. But basically, they it was it was like it's really hard. As far as self-publishing, I have two places that I could go to. I'm not worried about it. To get something, you know, traditionally published is not that easy at all. No, it's anymore. very difficult. Yeah, no, it's very difficult. You got to have tough skin, and you know. You know, it's over the years and being in this industry for as long as I've been in it, uh, traditionally published and and self-published, mm-hmm. and I I I find that um, sometimes it's sometimes it's just you know it's it's I don't even know it's almost a game of chance. It's like the right person needs to pick it up. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. This is hard. Yeah. So what is next for you? What are you writing next? And when am I getting it? No, seriously. <laughs> you know, lately, lately, I'm telling you, um, they, they, they don't even ask me. They just automatically put me in a tour. And I don't say anything because I'm honored that they want me to do it. But the last couple of books helped me. No, this one was <laughs> not, wasn't that the book was, I read it yesterday because I could read a whole two books in a day if I really wanted. Yep. But um, I, I've read some really, really good ones. It's called The Dark, and it's about uh, Antarctica. And this was, that oh. was really good. I'm reading Echoes of the Dead by Spencer Cope. That is really scary. It's it's excellent. I mean, there are some that I've read that I'm reading that are really great. 
Um, this book that I didn't want to read that I'm glad I got is called Do You See What I See? And the author tells about different ways of dealing with depression, anxiety. She tells her story, and then she gives you a chance to tell yours. Oh, If cool. you want to use the book. Yeah, well, I'm going to be on a on a show on um, November 11th with somebody, and the uh, the host asked me to be on the show because the person needs to learn to think positive. So, here I go. What can I say? So, what oh, is next? Awesome. Seriously, what are you writing next? And where can we find I'll, out more I'll about you? I'll continue delving into um, the mystery detective. Like, you know, again, I might do this another family you know, Sega drama mm-hmm. or whatever uh, kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. That's basically what I'm doing right now. I'm plotting something out in my head. So once it all comes together, it'll be pen to paper, and hopefully within the next year something will be out. <laughs> so, Are you going to do yeah. another tour with Partners in Crime? Of course. Absolutely, 100% I will. I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. working with them. They were great. Yeah, they were great. They are, and they keep reminding me um, – you know that I have to do this, whatever, and then, uh, yeah, I had we had a uh, thing on the twenty, on the one on the twenty sixth. Unfortunately, we had technical difficulties. She couldn't hear me, so oh, I said cool. I would do it over. Yeah, and then there's yeah. an author that was supposed to do the interview next Wednesday, and she didn't tell me that she lived in California, and I made an appointment for right after, so she's gonna get January. <laughs> what can I tell you? So well, there's nothing that you ever, can do. Well, exactly. Yep. Yeah. I can the only thing do in what the industry is you just. The way that, that the industry works, and I mean, like I said, I've been, I've been writing for years, um, and I've been in this industry, and I've, I've done interviews, yeah. is that, yeah, sometimes it's last minute, okay? Sometimes it's at 8 o'clock in the morning, right? I'm in Canada, yeah. so it's 8 a.m. here, right? So um, sometimes it's 5 o'clock in the morning. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, I want to get the word out about my book, and so I'm going to just do whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I don't care. Well, I you know, have no idea what anybody is, and I, I didn't yeah. know. And she, they confirmed it, so how am I supposed to know that she's in California? If she would have told me, I would have made it, like Robert Dagoni originally was supposed to be um, something else. And I said, you know what? I, I, you know, I can't do that to him. And he's, I made it 12 o'clock instead of uh, 10 o'clock because I didn't know he was in California and he blessed me on Monday. Right. And then we had to move it because he had a family emergency. And I said, whatever, you're lucky. I I like you, whatever. He's amazing. So. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And he probably gets to meet some really cool people. Oh, I got to meet Tess Carrington and um, Iris Johansson. And Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. I actually get to meet them and meet them in person because of the fact that um, I was I'm invited to the Philip Fest because they think I'm wonderful and I go for free if if and when they ever have it again. There's Dick Belsky, Bruce Coffin, um, Charles Salzberg, all of these people. They actually know this poor person, and a lot of times I just get the books. And I'm doing one that I've never done before. This is a tough one. It's called Biological Essentialism. So I emailed the author, and I said, if you could just give me a hint as to what you're talking about. So I figured that one out, yeah. Yeah, I met all of the major major people. Um, but That's if anybody great. really has a, has a problem with panic attacks, Dennis Palumbo's new book, Panic Attacks, is fantastic. Uh, Stephen Manchester is pretty popular. He's coming on in January. And this is the greatest honor in the world is I have a second master's in reading. I have a couple, but that's the second one. And my professor... Uh, Dr. George Cavuto taught me how to read your book so I would understand it better than most people. That's how I understand the underlying meaning of it. He taught me everything. He taught me the psycholinguistics of reading 
and language. That's so cool. I interviewed him. I interviewed him. Believe it or not, I found him after all these years on August 25th. We talked about the medicalization of education, and on January 10th, we're going to talk about the uh, how you diagnose a person, a child, through the perspectives of reading through problem solving. And I have to read his dissertation because it's not an interview; it's a discussion. It's my field of reading. So, yep. for those wow, of you out there. Great. Everybody, sit down and think about doing something kind for somebody, saying something wonderful, just being nice, and maybe this virus will realize you're not welcome here because we're not negative anymore. We're wonderful. Kat, thank you so much. Do you do panel shows by any chance? I do, yeah. Yeah, I do. What are some of the topics that you talk about? Because <laughs> I'm going to start doing another. I have one November 2nd that's reviews, but I have another one. At, and on the 8th, and I have no another one on the 18th at 12 o'clock. It's going to be the evil side of the character. It should be interesting. I've got a oh, whole yeah, bunch coming in. Oh, yeah, talk about all that stuff, like anything writing, anything, anything, honestly, like, um, you know, point of view, right? We did you that. Know? I should get you to do another one. We're doing, well, we're doing one on December 8th because some authors asked for it. How does the pandemic, how does the pandemic influence or change the publishing industry and the way they write? And thank God they don't write about the pandemic because I don't want to read about it, to be very honest. Nobody wants to read about it. Nobody wants to watch it on TV either. (laughs) No. Yeah. Honestly, definitely keep me in mind because I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Perfect. I would totally appreciate it. It's a beautiful world out there. Smile. The sun is shining. Kate, thank you very much. Everybody have a great day and bye.